see in the temple in the house of the Lord. He says, no other place in the world like the house of the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Would you just raise the lights of Phil? Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So glad that you're here today. I know it's the 4th of July weekend. Anybody free in the house? Hmm. Those whom, whom the Son had made free are free indeed. That's a better guarantee than what our government can make. We're free in America, but in God's kingdom, we're free indeed. Uh, as free, as free, as free as you can get is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. And we pray for our nation and thank God for America. Thank God for the independence we have in the Lord and in our nation freedom. I feel free. You feel free. Last night, there were a lot of fireworks going on. Phil was saying he was lighting some cannon or something out where he was. I thought, well, well, maybe that's what I heard, but he was too far away. Someone else must have been in, cued in with Phil what he was shooting off. So it was, they were really firing off, amen? Really glorifying God and setting off fireworks. How many, did anybody hear any go on? Yeah. Yeah, it's great, great. My neighbor was shooting something. I don't know. I thought it was a gun. Could have been firecrackers. I don't know, but it was... He was he was excited and everything and it and it is a time of celebration. I like what kind words Pastor Micah said, but I think it kind of applies to everybody. Is that how many here are ready to just give up and quit? Raise your hand. You ready to just kind of no, no. So I was I kind of gave a signal. Some folks, I apologize, were laughing behind you, but what I was, I just do this with me. How many here he said, Pastor Bynum, Pastor Ron, and Leah, they don't, when you think they're ready to kind of settle down and slow, they're ready to rev up. And so how all I was back in my seat, I was just doing this. All right, won't you, won't you do that with me, amen, as a church? Hey, this is a participation kind of church, okay? Don't think it's a, a kind of cut and dry place. I ain't going to let it be that way because I'm too crazy to begin with. But here we go. When I count to three, I want you to rev. Ready to rev, ready to move, ready to go. Ready? One, two, three. Some of you, some of you even doing that stuff. I mean, some of them, I don't know, some of them like Japanese. Other people on Facebook just join in. What in the world is going on? Because that's usually what happens when you're on Facebook. You get people joining in the whole time that you're trying to say something. Nobody, you know, just kind of dropping in and dropping out. And, you know, that's why we can't have church on Facebook. Because too many people drop in and drop out. They go about five minutes. That's enough. Enough church. Enough, enough of that. Just tune you out, you know. So now you're here. Now you can walk out if you want, but I mean, but I've got a captivated audience. Amen. Praise the Lord. Turn with me to Acts chapter 20, verse 22 through 27. I felt led of God to do a continuation of what I shared last Sunday. There was a lot more to it. And so instead of just dumping the whole load on you, everything, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and finish today. Acts chapter 20. Verse 22 through 27. I'd like to share with you once again 
a word from the Lord, a word that Paul shared. It was a statement, a declaration. He said, none of these things move me. None of these things move me. Here we go. Let's pray first. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask you, Lord, that you just help us to look in your word. Help me, Father, to adequately share this word. And help us all in this room, Lord, begin to hear that this today present word for now. Oh, Lord, if there was a time we need a, a now word, it's now. If there ever was a heaven-sent message, Lord, needs to go out, it's now, Lord, among your people and with your people. I thank you, Lord, and I praise you. We praise you for the Holy Ghost anointing. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Acts 20, verse 22. And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Has anybody been going through anything for the past three months? Has anybody been kind of affected with stuff going on? Is anybody here just sick and tired? You know, hey, come on. That's okay. That's allowed. It's all right. We're not griping. We are confessing. We're not griping. We're confessing. Lord, I'm just kind of sick and tired. I know many people are. It has been a wearisome road of having to deal with change and pressures and regulations and stuff that feel like uh, like it's been some heavy blanket laid on top of us we can't seem to move our arms and walk around very easily it's like a weight that's placed upon us that is unusual I have never lived in times such as these. I've never seen it. We have seen some terrible things occur through terrorism over the years and through different things that has occurred in our nation. Certain changes that have been disagreeable and decisions by our government on things that have really got us fired up and Upset, but I'm telling you, there's nothing like now. I believe that for years, everyone's going to be talking about, do you remember 2020? You remember? Why, they're even talking about 20 and 21, 2021. I, I just rebuke that. I believe God is going to start containing things, and it's going to get under control it's always been under control. God, man may think that they're controlling and changing this situation with the pandemic, but it's God that's in charge 
and in control. Do you believe that? But nonetheless, there's a whole lot of pressure in there, a lot of stress, a lot of heaviness. I could, I could stand here and before, when I'm finished, I guarantee you, you'd walk out of this room feeling more, wow, I feel more down than what I feel up. If I allow that to be my confession and my talk, we could talk about the heavy stuff, can't we? But then we also got to balance it with the good stuff too, can't we? Talk about the blessings and goodness of God. And I happen to believe life is still good. Do you believe life's still good? Oh, sure, it's good. But there is a pressure that we're dealing with. But I want you to turn your neighbor, and I want you to say this statement to him, this phrase. It's just a thing. It's, it's just a thing, you know. It's just, you know what I'm talking. It's just a thing. And... The Apostle Paul uses that same word in that passage of our text. He says, but none of these things move me. Now, we can allow ourselves and give in and surrender to the forces that be and the pressure that is around us. We can go on our front porches, grab pots and pans and clang them and say, I ain't having this no more. We can sound off and gripe and write a real long post on Facebook. Everything sounded all out. But I want you to know today, as you told your neighbor, let it be your statement, say, it's just a thing. It's just a thing. And, then, and Paul says, "All none of these things move me. It's just a thing in comparison when you look at it in comparison, it's just a thing in comparison to the glorious face of Jesus. It's just a thing in comparison to the powerful moments of his presence. It's, it's just a thing when we see and we look and see the evidence is out that his, our prayers have been answered. It's just a thing. It's just a thing in light of the infinite wisdom and power of his word and the promise of eternal life and eternal home. It's just a thing. And th these things, none of these things move me. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, it's just a thing. It's just a thing. It's just a thing. It's a, just a, a thing. Now, things don't last very long. I've had things in my life. I have things. I'll tell you what, I've had several mobile devices in my life. And every time I've changed and got another one, it's been out of necessity because I don't go and buy new toys. You know, because there's a new product out there. I can't afford it. But I'll end up getting another cell phone or mobile device. I've had many of them over the years. I started with a bag phone in my car years ago with Mobile One. And it went from a bag <laughs> phone to a, a mini computer. 
And now, you know, and I've had a few of these things down the line. You know what I'm talking about. We've had things. We've had the flip phone. We've had the small cell phone. We've had the bag phone. We've had all these different devices, and we had to replace them. I don't know if anybody in this room goes and spends the money to get something new, but I don't do that. I wait till it breaks, okay, until finally it just won't keep a charge, uh, uh, won't last any more than an hour or if it just aggravates me so much that I'm almost tempted to Christian cuss, then I finally decide that I'm going to get rid of this thing because this thing is worn out. Things do not last very long. How many here are still driving the first car you bought if it's been 20 years ago? How many still? No, it was a thing. It rusted. It got old. It wouldn't run. Now, some of you may still have that car, but that's okay. You're just, you're not driving an old car. You are just going retro. But the, but the fact is, is it's just a thing. How, much, how many things have you had? You know, I used to have a... Uh, how many here remember the beta machines and VCRs? I used to have those things, you know. And I used to have a an 8-track player, then a cassette player, and then a CD player. You know, how many had those things? They don't last long, do they? They don't last long. And then even culture makes you go through changes where that you have, you got to get different things and new things but it's still just things they do not last very long it's just the thing there's another thing it's not only just the adamant things but the inanimate things a thing is defined as also as an inanimate object it's an object but it's inanimate it's not tangible but it's a thing yeah it's, it's anything that is or may become an object of thought. It's a thing. And some of us need to get rid of some of those things. Some of us need to get rid of some of those rusty, crusty things. And old thoughts and old ways. And right now the enemy's trying so, so hard to get a thing in your mind. So it will aggravate you and drag you down and pull you down and get you disgusted so much that you're about ready to blow your top because that thing has gotten into your mind. But see, a thing, a thing is just a thing. It, it doesn't last forever. Things uh, can be categorized as, let me name off some things. Cancer is a thing. Sickness is a thing. Criticism is a thing. Unemployment is a thing. Ridicule is a thing. Loneliness is a thing. But praise God, the Apostle Paul said, none of these things move me. Is there anybody that's got their mind made up? Is there anybody in the house that's gotten a holy stubbornness and a hard-headedness uh, with your faith and trust in Jesus Christ uh, and that you so much you can turn to your neighbor and say it's just a thing God's got a hold of me God's moving inside of me 
It's God on the outside. God on the inside. God all over me because it's Jesus in the morning and Jesus at noon and Jesus at dinner time. Jesus at bedtime. Jesus when I wake up. Jesus when I leave the house. Jesus when I go to work. You know what I'm talking about. All these other, that other junk is just things. It's just a thing. Just a thing. When it, in comparison to Christ. Now, Paul, you know, we are facing a pressure in difficult times. For me to stand up here and try and give you some type of uh, sweet pill and, and some imaginary type of idea of thinking and avoiding the subject would be a dishonest thing to you. I need to tell you, it's real, honey, what you're going through, but it's a thing. Okay, it's real, but it's a thing. And the Apostle Paul began to talk about his difficulties and sharing his difficulties. And, and let me kind of share it with you for a moment. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, Paul came to difficulties and persecutions. In verse 23, down to verse 28, he's talking about those who are kind of trying to come in with um, uh, a wolf in sheep's clothing, uh, you know, false teachers and such. And, and, and then, you know, he wasn't one to declare anything about himself, but he felt like that he needed to declare the calling and who he was so that the Corinthians would listen to him and not listen to the others. In verse 23, are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman. But I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 stripes. 39 lashes, three times I was beaten with cords, once I was stoned, and three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities and in the deserts and on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty and been often gone. I'd gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have a daily burden of my concern for all the churches. I love how he closed that out because his concern is the last point. The concern for the churches, the love for the churches and such that he had birthed in God's kingdom and he brought and taught and led people. But all those things that he dealt with, he said none of these things move me. We're going through maybe a, a 
a period of time of persecution and challenge. We're growing more and more unpopular in the world. If you believe in Jesus and in the word of God being the unadulterated word of God, then you're going to be criticized. You're going to be scoffed at. You're going to be called as a narrow-minded bigot. You're going to be labeled in different labels by the world and criticize you. So you're going to face persecution. I don't think it's going to get easier. I think it's going to get more of a challenge. And that's why God is compelled upon my heart to raise up a people. If it be by few or by many, God help me raise up a remnant of people who will believe in God, who will be faithful, who out of the 12 would come 120, out of the 120 would come a world of people who come into the kingdom of God. I can't perceive it get easier. Oh, we might gain a few bucks along the way. We might put a little bit in the government coffers and, and shift some numbers and this and that. But I believe that, I don't know why we always think a revival always happens when things are doing real well. Usually revivals are during crisis. Usually revivals occur during times of pressure. Usually at that time is when God's people under pressure and stress. How many here could raise your hand and say, Pastor, I've been praying more the past three months than what I've prayed all my Christian life. And I can sense something happening in me that's changing. There's a hardening, a strengthening, a fortifying of God's presence in my life like never before you are not giving in under pressure you're giving in to the glory of heaven and the power of God God is fortifying you to take your stand and to lift your voice not in revolt not in criticism not in argument but delivering words of peace delivering words of love delivering the name of Jesus Christ to a world that wants to deny him a world that wants to shut us up but the world will not be able to shut up the church of Jesus Christ because in the midst of persecution there is a revival brewing you know why I say that because then in chapter 12 Paul shifts his talk from the persecution to a moment a revelation. Do you know what happened? Let's just read it. Chapter 12, verse 1. He came to revelation because of the persecution. Do you see? We work better under pressure. I don't know about you do, but I do. I do better. I work better under deadlines. Pressure. I'm a, how many here are, you kind of mastered the skill of procrastination. I'm sort of like that. You know, there's a side of me telling myself I, I keep a calendar and the calendar keeps on whipping me, hitting me, hit me, go, go. That's what my calendar does. I don't know what yours does, but mine does. See, go on, move it, move it, move it. Move it along. Move, 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 move. 12, 13, 14, 15. If not, I'd probably just kind of wait till the 16th to do something. Look what Paul says. He says, this boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. 
I was caught up in the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. Listen, this is serious stuff. You just got to repeat that twice. You know, he's really getting into it now. He's, he's describing something here. He said, but I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. Things no human has allowed to tell. That experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or here in my message Paul in his pressure Paul in his persecution Paul in his time of distress he was taken up into the third heaven he had an experience of revelation from God and doing so God showed him things that kept him captivated that lit a fire in him and he saw it and no one could take it from him have you ever received something from the Lord that nobody can take it from you they may laugh at you and scoff you but you know what you received and you know what you've seen and it was a revelation that changed your life I tell you honey go back to that spot and relive that revelation but more than that this time this time of persecution this time of pressure this time of difficulty may the church of Jesus Christ may we get on our knees and cry out to God and say Lord show me give me a revelation for what to do and how to do it and where I'm going Lord give me a revelation and you know what he will give it to you because of the pressures that are going on in your life. We, we do much better under pressure. And I think the pressure's starting and the church is going to rise up. The real church, true church, powerful church, anointed church. Paul wrote Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 and 1. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there shall be very difficult times for people will, will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. Does that sound familiar to you? Maybe you haven't been watching the news, but I've been seeing a whole lot of video about it. A whole lot of scoffers out there, out of control. No respect for anything sacred. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. In Acts chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my Spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I want you to know these are the last days. These, these are the last days. And in the last days, the Lord's out 
I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And, and he's given us power and the ability to, to take a stand. Amen. Let me tell you a little personal opinion of mine. I don't want to hang out with those of my age group. I don't wanna. I got some. I got some friends that went in and retired in a community, and it's among their people and their age group and their group. I don't want that. I don't operate that way. I tell you what. I want. I want people outside of my age group. I'm not just talking young. I'm talking old. I'm talking about the young people who are going to have the vision that God gives them a supernatural vision in the last days, and the old people who are having the spiritual dreams. I, I want to hang out with that crowd of the last days crowd that are filled with the spirit and God giving them a revelatory word and a vision to know what's going on. God is raising a people of revelations. Not revelations of the book. I'm talking about your experience with God. Yeah. Uh-huh. When's the last time God talked to you? When's the last time you let God talk to you? When's the last time you sought for his voice? I wanted to hear from him. All right? Best time is now. It's now. It's now. God says, I'll give you an edge. I'll give you an edge over life. Edge over things. I'll give you a revelation that gives you an assurance of what you're supposed to do now. What's in store for you tomorrow. Hallelujah. Moms and dads, you need the Holy Ghost to guide you and navigate the future generation and hope of America. Not only America, but hope for the kingdom of God here on earth that there'll be more souls birthed into the kingdom of God. Raise your children for kingdom purposes. They can have their careers, but then they'll have their calling. They can be, they can be, they'll be preachers disguised as doctors. They'll be preachers disguised as nurses. They'll be preachers disguised as school teachers. Do you get what I'm saying here? Is that they can have their career. Don't raise them for the career. Raise them for the calling of God in their life. That is all that matters. That is all that lasts and all these other things. They're just things. Just things. I mean, just ask every college student if they're living and working in, in, the, in the major that they achieved in their, in their dream, or not dream jobs, if they're even doing a job that they got their college degree in. There's nothing wrong if you're not. But I'm just telling you, the kingdom of God is not one of those things. It's not temporary. It's forever. I got so much I can preach on on this, and I'm going to stop. Because I'm trying to show the love of Jesus. But I want to tell you, none of these things move me. I want you to say it out loud with me. I count to three. I want you to say it three times and say it out loud. I want you, I want you to just really seriously take it as a motto, a slogan of yours now. This is a now statement that we need to now make a decision to the students, to the adults, to the parents. We need to declare this, the, all the stuff that's going on. We don't want to give up Jesus. We want more of Jesus. We don't want to compromise our stance. We want to live for him. 
We want to please God. How many here want to please God more than anything? When I count to three, I, I want you to say this out loud. We're going to say it three times. One, two, three. None of these things move me. Second time, none of these things move me. Third time, none of these things move me. Now, do you believe it? Do you believe it? You, have you decided? Have it made up your mind? Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. You can depend on your God. He doesn't change. He doesn't get old. He doesn't die. He's forever and forever. Things are temporary, but your God is not a thing. He is the everlasting one, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. Hallelujah. And all the other letters in between the, that alphabet, he's everything. He's everything. Would you stand with me? Worship team, come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need that revelation from the Lord in our prayer and seeking him. A revelation from him that illustrates his written word in us and illuminates our minds, our hearts. My friend, let me tell you. The church needs to hear this one statement and need to question himself in it. Have I tried so hard to make it here on earth, but have I forgotten to make it to heaven? That sounds so elementary, doesn't it? People saying, probably thought, if I preached on John 3, 16, there might be folks in crowd saying, man, that's really kind of elementary. It's so simple. We're on a mission. We got to win the lost. If we don't win the lost, then we have a club. And not the church of Jesus Christ. We're on a mission by God to win the lost. If we don't do that, then we'll get comfortable like in the, in the book of the word of God in the Old Testament where that God accused the people of paying attention to their paneled houses and ignoring the house of God. We've gotten so centered. If we don't concentrate on the loss and winning the loss and winning people and gaining the backslider, giving back to the Lord, I don't care if they don't come to this church. They, they could go somewhere else. But the Lord has called us to win the lost. If we lose that purpose, then we're just a club. But God's, God's doing something now with the church. He's jumbling up our number, numbers. He's messing around with our sanctuaries. He's getting a hold of things and say they're not important. Only I'm important. And only if someone makes it into heaven is important. The people are saved. How many people are in your family, in your circle that are lost? What about your neighbor? What about your co-worker? Are they lost? These are the last days. They'll not make it in the rapture. They'll be left behind. These are hard things and everybody wants to hear the nice, lovely things. Everybody wants to have a pep rally in the church. But God's calling us to a place of prayer.
place of repentance, a place of seriousness, that we get busy with the work at hand, that we don't pay attention to those things, but we pay attention to what is eternal. That's what matters. How many here agree with me with that? We pay attention to what's eternal. That's why you're here today. You're paying attention to something that's eternal. Your relationship with Christ. Let God use you. There's no greater, greater experience in the world than lead someone to Jesus Christ. There's nothing like it in the world. When you sense the anointing of God and you see that person come to Christ and there you can encourage them. There's nothing like it in the world. That's what most Christians are missing. That's why they have trouble going to church at times when they could and no problem. That's why they got their minds on so many other things is because they've forgotten of the purpose and the mission. We're going to regain it, aren't we? Now's a good time as any to realize the true purpose is to win the loss. I don't want anybody, I don't want anybody to go and leave this world without Jesus. I've done too many funerals like that. I've shown up to too many graveside services where people know my name and know I'm a preacher, a pastor, call me up and have me show up. And here I am talking about eternity and don't even know the person. And the person doesn't even have a witness of their salvation with Christ. This world and the church, the church needs to wake up to the truth. I didn't mean to get real downer and serious with you. Just pray for me. I'm not having a breakdown, but God sure is breaking me up. Yes, Lord. I'm not broken down, but I'll tell you what, I'm looking at things a whole lot different. Let's get rid of the fluff. Come on. Let's get to the real stuff, okay? I want us to pray right now. Will you stretch your hand forward and say, Lord, I'll be a witness. I won't let uh, none of these things remove me. I'm not going to get distracted. I'm not going to let that thing get in my head and work with me, do a number. Weapons of, of our warfare are mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds. Hallelujah. Father, anoint your people. I pray, God, that throughout this church, people who are praying that but suddenly they'll have that, that 2 Corinthians chapter 12 experience Paul had. They're taken up by God. That you're speaking to them. And you give them a, revel, a revelation of you, Lord, and what your plans are. Oh, Lord, we believe these are the last days. I pray and speak the words of John of the book of Revelation. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. the last days these are the last days and we thank you Lord we anticipate your coming we rejoice in your coming and any other feeling we have God that makes us feel bad let him turn let it motiv motivate us to reach the lost we don't want anybody to miss it Lord in Jesus name anoint us and use us with power in the name of Jesus Christ 
Christ. Let's sing it a little bit more, would you? No. Yes, fair. 